0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for uh, joining me for the podcast. To be honest, when the podcast began uh, a few years back, I really didn't have much of an expectation. I thought that maybe the podcast, there'd be a few people who would just sort of dive in and want to be a part of ongoing leadership training. What has totally amazed me is the number of people who literally listen to the podcast, not only the number of people, but the places that the podcast is being listened to. It's literally a platform that has gone ...everywhere in the world, and I owe you a thanks because it wouldn't have happened without you telling other people about the podcast, letting them know, and let me just say today, uh, if you can let anyone that you know who is on a leadership journey... Become aware of the podcast. If you could just let them know about it, I would appreciate it. It doesn't matter what nation they're in. If you could just give them a little bit of understanding, but thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, sharing the podcast with others. Hey, today I want to tackle a delicate subject, and that is why people leave a church. Why is it that people leave a church? And let me just start by presenting that thought. But let me just go into the business arena. In the business arena, there's a thing called customer loyalty. And customer loyalty is sort of the bread and butter of every business. They want to find a customer. They want to engage that customer. They want to get that customer to be a repeat customer. They want this to go on and on and on. In fact, in the business arena, years and years ago, they used to put it this way. They said it takes four dollars to create a customer, it takes $11 to uh, replace a customer. And what they were saying is uh, that getting a customer is one thing, but having that customer and then losing that customer is a very uh, large expense for any business. So they want uh, customer retention. They want customer loyalty. Well, let me take it back over to the church. I've done this for 41 years. Here's one of the questions I get asked. It's just simply, how many people do you run? And after 41 years of it, I I sort of uh, just think in my mind, the real question isn't how many people I run, but literally, how many people have I run off? Uh, I'm just telling you the multitudes of people that I've run off is just amazing. I like to tell pastors, if you want to run a 1,000, it means that you've usually run off 4,000. Well, if you do that math uh, over decades, I'm just telling you, uh, I've run off a whole lot of people. Now, um, when we come back to that question of why uh, people leave a church, let's just deal with the obvious. Sometimes people leave because they get mad. They just get upset. You did something that they didn't want you to do, Or you didn't do something they wanted you to do. You said something that they didn't want you to say. Or you didn't say something that they did want you to say. And all of those create just that flex moment where people are people. And some people just get mad. They get mad if things aren't the way they want them. I like to tell young ministers, no one expects you to do everything but everyone expects you to do their thing. So what that means is on any given weekend, uh, no one's going to walk into your church and say, you've got to do everything, but they do expect you to do their thing. So if you told them all the things people are going to want you to do, they would just sit there and say, there's no way you could do that. But on the other hand, the thing they want you to do, They figure there is a way that you should do that. So for some people, they just get mad. There's also individuals who have an agenda. They're not coming to church. Uh, just to come to church, they have an agenda. Many times, this agenda can be a whole lot of things. Uh, it can be an agenda of opinion where they're just wanting to express something. Uh, it could be that they're wanting to create a format for business, but they have an agenda. And then, times, uh, it's just a m- mismatch in styles. People are trying something new, uh, but they're used to one thing that they grew up with that they experienced or what they think church should be, and then they a visit and they attend maybe for a short burst of time, and they experience a mismatch of styles. And so as a result of this, they end up being in a position where there's just this mismatch, and then there's times that families just come and, and they like a particular service, uh, but they're really just kicking the tires. They're just kicking the tires to say, is this what we want? And I found that there's a lot of people who uh, just come and they enjoy a service and they assume that they're going to enjoy every service. But what you like one time or a couple of times may not be what you enjoy all the time. And so the obvious people get mad. Individuals have agendas, mismatching styles, styles, uh, families that are just kicking the tires. Those are the obvious. That's really not what I want to talk about. I want to talk to the pastors. See, anytime someone comes to our congregations and we stand in the pulpit, we have those communications in the hallway, we talk to people, we pray for them, and then they leave. The pastor feels it. I get asked this question, at what size do you have to be before it no longer bothers you if people leave your church? And I look at him, I say, I don't know. I'm not at that size. Now, understand our church is larger on a percentage basis than a lot of churches, but I've never reached that size where someone I've poured my heart into that if they left, that it didn't bother me. So what I want to do is dig down a little bit and maybe um, help pastors to understand the nature of why some of the decisions are made. Let me start with number one, the complexity of failure. Um, In our society, there's the unseen pressure that people feel of having it all together there's this unseen pressure that we're sort of this perfect person. We're sort of this uh, perfect family. We have perfect relationships. We have this perfect job. We have a perfect career. And one of the things that happens is that when life begins to unravel, and maybe it begins to be one of those things where the marriage starts to show that it's not perfect or Maybe your job, your career aren't going according to schedule. What I found is that there are people who can't face people during their failure. And I've literally had people who would quit going to our church because they had problems and because these problems were inconsistent with the image they've always projected of the perfect marriage, the perfect job the perfect life, the perfect kids, that when life became imperfect, they felt embarrassed and they would leave. And it's sort of counterintuitive because the nature of a church is that we're there for people's imperfections and not just for their perfections. And so as a result of that, I've had people that when their marriage goes bad, they leave. When a habit returns like alcoholism, they leave. Their kids get in trouble, they leave. And what it has to do with is it has to do with they can't process failure publicly. And it's a part of that complexity. They have that unseen pressure of everyone thinking they have it together. And if they've created that sort of image and then you begin to see the marriage isn't really all that and the same thing with the kids and the career, then what happens is is that they begin to back away. And so to pastors, I'll tell you that sometimes people leave because they're experiencing failure. And the failure causes them to lose image in their eyes. Therefore, they feel like they've lost image in your eyes which for pastors, that's just not true. But on the other hand, they'll leave because they can't face failure when they've put up the image that everything's successful. So number one, the complexity of failure. Number two, transitions in life. Um, Life has seasons in it. David put it this way. He said, I've been young, but now I'm old. What was he saying? He said, there's a season of youth, there's a season of uh, maturity, and he says, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen. And what he says is, regardless of the seasons in life, God's always faithful in life. And it doesn't matter the season, the front end, or the back end, God's always faithful. But people aren't good at handling transitions. In fact, most people either live in what their life used to be, Or they live in the future what they want their life to be. And so I've just noticed that when people go through transitions, many times that's when they'll leave. Uh, So uh, it's a young couple and they have their first child. Well, like I like to tell people, anyone's firstborn probably has the legal right to sue you. And the reason being is that before you have a kid, you're a perfect parent. You know what you would never do. You've watched all these other kids. You've watched all these other events. You've watched all these other people. And you said, I would never raise my kid that way. And then the baby's born. And then the baby's born and you're out for six weeks. Then you come back just in time around 90 days and you get that baby dedicated. But then sniffles are going around and you can't expose the kid's sniffles. You can't put the kid in the nursery. It's awkward to carry the kid out. Uh, The kid's keeping you up at night. And what I've literally seen is I've seen one of the biggest blessings of God, the birth of a child, become the reason that people quit going to church. And they literally stop going because they've had a child. And then I'll literally watch them and they'll say, well, when the child gets older, we'll get them in church and we'll get them in preschool, we'll get them in children's church, we'll get them in nursery, and then they don't. And then they start school, well, you know, we got school stuff. And then they start sports, then we've got sports stuff. And then they become a teenager and then they'll come back and they'll say, hey, we need some help. Can you tell us what we did wrong? Well, let me just simplify that. You left God out of their life when they were a baby. You left God out of the life when they were at school. You left God out of their life because of sports, and now they don't want God in their life, and you're wondering why. Go figure. Uh, That being said, when kids leave home, I've watched people who were very faithful to our church as long as their kids were here and in the youth ministry. And then all of a sudden, their kids leave home, And their pattern of behavior just changes. We no longer see them. It's like they had a relationship with God that was just for their kids. But as soon as their kids are gone, the relationship with God is is over. And then what a lot of people are experiencing, their parents get older. And they have to become the primary caregivers for them. And what I'm saying is, is that transitions in life are when a lot of people disconnect from church. And where they should manage those, they find themselves sometimes uh, running from the very opportunity that they should seize. Number three, managing competing values. Um, In our society, there's a contest that goes on. And that contest is what I call being the best parent. And really, if you wanted to sort of uh, distill that thought, the best parent is you're the home that all the kids want to come to. So all your uh, kids' friends want to come hang out at your house. This is sort of the ultimate statement. You are the best parent because your kids want to be there and your friends' kids. But then there's faith values. And sometimes being the best parent, as far as your kids and their friends are concerned, doesn't make you the best parent when it comes to faith. And especially if you want to throw in youth sports. Now, let me tell you something about youth sports. Each one of my girls were in drill team. My son played on the very best baseball teams in this area. He played on the very best baseball teams nationally. I know what select ball is. I know the demands that it puts on you. But sometimes we want to be such a good parent that we neglect the importance of our faith. And so... At times, people will leave a church because they're managing competing values. They want to be this best parent. They want to be the place that all the kids want to hang out. And they get so consumed with that that somehow their faith values get lost. And especially if you're in uh, any kind of select sports, that happens. Number four, commitment issues. And commitment issues is an interesting thing to me. When I've had people come to me and say they're going to another church, that's always been one of those things. Well, I'm for the body of Christ. If they're going to leave our church, I want them to go. But you know what? One of the things I found is probably 70% of the people who say they're leaving our church and going to another church are not going to another church. When I've been able to look back and research it over the data that I'm exposed to, I found out that saying that they want to change churches and they want to go to another church is many times a disguise. Because at your church, they may work in children's ministry or youth ministry. They may volunteer on the worship team. They may be a part of this group or that group. But then they get to the place that they're getting a little burned out on on serving. And they don't know how to say they don't want to serve anymore in those capacities. So what they say is, we're going to another church. And then their intention is to go to another church, but they end up not going to church. That's why only 17% of professing Christians are in church every week. 17% in America. It's because many of them say they're going to another church, but it's their way of regulating their commitment. How do I tell them that I don't want to do youth anymore? How do I tell them I don't want to work in the children's ministry anymore? And so what they'll say is they're changing churches when really they're just changing commitment. Number five, complications of life. Um, Complications of life can be a whole lot of things. But basically, I like to define it this way. It is perpetual trauma. It is when one event leads to another event, which leads to another event, which leads to another event. So let me put it this way. We can rest assured that come January of every year... The news media is going to make a big deal about the flu. Now, the flu is a big deal. And I'm an advocate of doing everything spiritually and naturally. So I'm one of these guys that gets the flu shot every year. So I'm an advocate of all levels of, of response. But all of a sudden, Susie comes down and she gets sick. And then we work Susie through it and then Billy gets sick. We work Billy through it, and then the dad, Bob, gets sick. And then the dad, Bob, works through it, and uh, then mom, Betty, gets sick. So what you have is you have the sequencing of four individuals. And what it does is it creates perpetual trauma. And then you add uh, trauma at work, and then you add trauma in other arenas, and you have these kind of traumas that are going on. And so I found that some people just get disoriented and they leave church. One, uh, they say it takes uh, three weeks to create a bad habit. They say it takes nearly 60 plus days to create a good habit. So if you get a family of four where each one of them is sick, then you've pretty well been sick for a month and the complications of life mean, you haven't been able to go to church, but then when you start feeling better, you feel like you're behind, so uh, you don't go back to church, and you stay away from church, and then it becomes the habit, the complication. Number six, increased mobility. See, in life right now, no one expects to stay anywhere long. People don't stay in a job long. People don't stay in a house long. People don't keep a car long. There's just an increase in mobility. And so when people come to you and say, I'm going to come to your church and I'm going to be here forever, forever means something different to them because forever means until the next job offer, forever means until the next house that I can buy, forever means until, and you can plug in the blank there. And so increased mobility means that people are in churches about 2.9 years, and the 2.9 years, then they're gone. So when people say that they're going to be in your church a long time, That's an unusual thing. See, I'm fortunate that I have over 30 families that have been with me for the whole 36 years. That's sort of unheard of in today's society. One, that I started the church. Two, I've been here 36 years. Three, that I have 30 uh, families that have been here that long. But then seven, there's natural fault lines. And natural fault lines are entrenched opinions. And in our society today, opinions are becoming more entrenched than they've ever been. In fact, some people have stronger opinions than they do belief in the Bible. In fact, they believe that their opinions are the Bible. But their opinions are not the Bible. Their opinions are not a statement of God's will. But nowadays, to walk into a church where someone has a different opinion but loves God, who has a different perspective but loves God, who has a different interest but loves God, for some people, well, if they don't hold my opinions, I can't go there. I would just say to you that one day we'll stand before the throne of God and it'll say that people will be worshiping there of, of every nation, of every tribe, and of every ethnicity. God loves diversity. And if you're bothered that people don't think the same way you are down here, then there's a good likelihood heaven's going to be hell for you up there because there's going to be a lot of people different than you up there. And sometimes it's our past history that we just want someone who just has the same history at us. But when we talk about leaving the church and we get past what people many times say, I really believe these seven things come into play. Complexity of failure, transitions in life, managing competing values, commitment issues, complications of life, increased mobility, and the natural fault lines. So if you're out there and you do the job that I'm doing, what are your takeaways? Well, number one is don't personalize it. And I know that's hard for me. It's hard for me when people leave leave, that I don't personalize it and I make it about me. But the majority of times, it's not about me and it's not about you. The majority of times, it's just about people and their lives. I think another thing is you need to learn from it. When I say learn from it is make sure that during transition times and during complex family moments and during failures that you've sort of created the presence that you're aware those things go on and that you're trying to encourage people to understand that your church is available during those times. And that leads to number three, and that is educate about it. Talk openly about it. Talk openly about the natural fault lines and entrenched opinions about increased mobility, complications of life. Uh, Just talk honestly about managing competing values. And then plan for it. Plan and try to do everything on your side of the spectrum to make sure that uh, people don't get lost in life moments now I say all that to you that I may not be able to give you a conclusive answer because for some pastors well what do I do to stop people from leaving well I just ask you to study the gospel Jesus had a lot of people leave in fact one time he turned to his disciples and he said do you want to go also that's a part of the leadership spectrum in the spiritual world But all that being said, what I want to say to you is value the time you have with people. Invest God in them as much as you can, because we're not the destination. We're just a sign that points people to him. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It means so much to me that you would take a few moments and do that. Um. I just pray that God's doing something remarkable. Hey, let me tell you about something. Uh, the third week of June, and you can go to Gerald Brooks Ministries and check it out, but the third week of June, uh, you're going to find that there is an event called the Breaking the 200 Barrier. Now, in the Breaking the 200 Barrier, I deal with the five mindsets that stop a church from growing. Uh, these are the five barriers that really get in the way of, of a church growing. Uh, I deal with some of the logistical thoughts of what is involved in beginning to mobilize a congregation for growth. And so uh, if you're a pastor or a part of an organization that would be on maybe the initial size and you know there's potential for more, uh, why don't you sign up and come to that? I think you'll find it uh, a great experience. But Regardless of that, please go to the website. There's a lot of resources there that can help you and you can learn about. And hey, the books there are just uh, great books that I think can help you in your leadership journey. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.